Good evening, y'all. I'm glad y'all are here with us tonight. This is our um, Christmas service, and um, we are glad that you have come to join and worship Jesus. Um, I know that the time of year that we are celebrating um, Jesus is when he was born. But the truth is, is that Jesus is not a little baby in a manger, but he is the king of glory reigning in all of heaven. And so tonight we've come to worship him. So will you stand with me and we are going to worship together this beautiful King Jesus. Heavenly Father, we just come to you right now. Father God, thank you that it has always been in your heart to be good towards us that you have declared yourself to be the compassionate and the gracious one, Lord. And God, that you love us. Thank you that you loved us so much you were willing to send your son. And Jesus, you clothed yourself in humility and you were born in a manger. Lord, we've come tonight to set aside everything else. Lord, to clear just the clutter of our minds, to clear the clutter of our hearts. Lord, and to make space for you, to make lots of room for you, Holy Spirit, tonight to come and make Jesus known in our lives, Lord, to make his goodness known, Holy Spirit, that you are the one who makes God's fatherhood real to us, that we are sons and daughters. Jesus, we worship you. We worship you, King Jesus. Come and invade this space tonight. Fill this room with your presence. Fill our hearts to overflowing with the presence and the love of God. It's in your great name that we pray, Jesus. Amen. Let's worship, y'all.
Shout Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus. Shout Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the street, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy, Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus. I just want to speak the name of Jesus till every, till every dark addiction starts to break.
Is there anyone that you need to speak it for too? I speak it for my family that I don't get to be with for Christmas. That God would do a work. Do you speak it for friends? Do you speak healing, freedom from anxiety? All of us know someone and maybe it's us we speak it, we can sing it, but can we proclaim it? Oh yes, Jesus, we proclaim your name. It is finished in your name. It's not finished in Rodney's name or Kristen's or Karen's or fill in the blank. In the name of Jesus, God has said it is finished. We get to watch it happen. We praise you. If it's uncomfortable for you to say it out loud, you know what I, I realized last week? We have no problem if we're, we love someone or we like someone to say, ooh, I like spending time. 
got beautiful eyes. Ooh, we're not afraid when we're Twitterpated. It's okay to not be afraid and push past a little uncomfortable. You don't even have to say it loud enough for anyone next to you to hear it. I love you, Jesus. Jesus, your name is power. You have declared it over me. I'm just singing the truth. Jesus. So maybe I'm asking a thing of obedience, but the Lord delights in that just, I'm going to step out. I'm going to use my words and all that he created. Jesus, you have said freedom comes in your grace. Holy Spirit comes. But he asks us to walk. And if all that is right now is to say Jesus, then let's say it because that's a lot. Jesus.
speak your life and I've heard the tender whisper of love in the dead of night as you tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never alone you're a good good father Oh 
to us. You demonstrated his love. You went about doing good and healing all who were sick and oppressed of the devil. Lord, we are grateful that the light of the world invaded darkness and it can never be put out. Jesus, we worship you. We worship you, King Jesus. You are so worthy of honor and adoration and ascribing to you greatness and majesty. Lord, we worship you and in all of that greatness, you love us and you reach down to be a part of our mess and to free us from it. Jesus, what beautiful love that is. Holy Spirit, tonight would you just invade every dark place with the glorious light of grace and freedom and truth that breaks every stronghold. Jesus, we worship you. There is none like you. There is none like you in all of the earth, Lord. You are crowned in glory and majesty. Lord, we worship you. Thank you for your great love for us, Lord. It is immeasurable. It is limitless. Lord, we worship you. Yeah, Holy Spirit, just move within your people, Lord. Move within our hearts in this moment, Lord. Stamp us by your Spirit with the beautiful promise of eternity, Lord, that is with you, restored to relationship with a good Father that no longer holds sin against us because of the finished work of Jesus. Lord, you are good to us. Yeah, Father, we worship you. We worship you, Lord Jesus. 
God, there's so much space for you. There's so much space for you, Lord. Just move among us, Lord, in our hearts. Yeah, Lord. Yeah, thank you for your presence, Lord. Mm, yeah, Lord Jesus. Yeah, Lord, we just speak your name, Jesus. We speak your name into every dark place that it be broken in the mighty name of Jesus yeah Lord it is your kindness and your goodness that makes us think about you in a new way that we return to grace Lord we return to grace and your goodness and your kindness Lord yeah help us see you rightly, Lord, to see you rightly with this immeasurable love towards us. Yeah, Lord, we worship you. We worship you. something out loud can you just say Jesus I love you Jesus I love you Jesus I love you there is no distance there is no gap there is no space between me and Jesus You invaded the earth with your love. Invade our hearts with your love tonight, Lord. Yeah, Lord, we just worship you. Can we just worship and just do that chorus again of he's a good, good father. Let him wash you of the way you've thought about him, the thoughts that were not true to who he is, of his nature and his character. Can we just say he's a good, good father?
God so loved the world that he sent his one and only beloved son that those who would believe in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. Thank you, Jesus, that there was a plan for eternity to redeem your bride at the ultimate price of your own life. Jesus, we worship you and we honor you. Yeah, Lord, it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Amen. Yeah, we're so glad that you're with us tonight. Um, And we just uh, hope that you sense and know the presence of the Lord in your innermost being of how deeply loved you are. If you're new with us, we'd love to get to connect with you. Go to dothancf.com and um, do the click on new here. And someone from our ministry team and uh, leadership team will be in touch with you. Remember that this is our Christmas service because we didn't even want to compete with Christmas morning, right? Because that's you and your family and your kids and so um, and togetherness and enjoying that. And so remember, no service Sunday morning, but we will be coming together on New Year's Day. And New Year's Day, we are doing an evening service at 5 o'clock. So for those of you who will be up and praying in the new year or toasting in the new year, you just get to enjoy sleeping in on Sunday morning, and we are going to come together, and we are going to have a wonderful testimony of this past year's, um, just the goodness of the Lord and how he has just blessed us, and he has answered prayers. And so We are going to be having a very special um, Sunday, New Year's Day service. So you want to make sure and put on your calendars. You can go right there right now on your smartphones, and it's 5 o'clock in the evening. So remember, we're not doing a morning service. It'll be in the evening. Get all the details on our website for that. And um, also for giving, it is the end of the year. Um, You can give online, and we just want to make sure that that is in by the 31st of December. So if you want to give and it be on your taxes for this year, um, just make sure you get that in, mail in the check, um, whatever you need to do. So we just want to make sure that you know about that. And then um, this evening, David is going to be sharing our message, and um, we will look forward to that. And then afterwards, we are going to have a great time of just gathering together as family, hanging out, and it's going to be through those doors. So, um, so everyone is welcome to join, and we would love to get to know you if you're new this evening. And um, we will just be right back with our message, and uh, this is a little bit different because we're not dismissing kids, so, um, but, but our, we've got a few kids with us this evening and everything, so we're thankful for that, y'all. So we'll be right back with our message.
Everybody doing? I can't see anybody, so this is awesome. <laughs> I feel like a train's coming at me with all, all the lights out, but I'm kind of liking it. So uh, forgive me if I say this morning about 20 times during this message, because I haven't preached a night service in so long, I can't remember, but uh, I started it right, so that was the important thing. So we are going to be finishing up a series we've been preaching into now for uh, over a month called The Promise. And tonight, we're just going to be talking about the promise being fulfilled, and obviously, it's a Christmas service. Um, if you notice, we didn't do a whole lot of Christmas songs during the worship time. Anybody notice that? <laughs> you're like, this is a Christmas service. Why didn't you do Christmas songs? Hey, listen, when you're a Christian, every song is a Christian song, right? <laughs> so that's the good news. Um, there, there's plenty of things going on in our city. We, we talked about this as a leadership team about actually doing a service on Sunday. And, and sometimes you do those, and, and they're awesome, they're wonderful, and sometimes you just look at it and go, hey, what's, what is it for our people and our season and what we're going through and you know, all those things? And we just looked at it and said, we would rather for you guys to take time and just be with your family. And so this is going to be an awesome time, we believe, that the promises of God are going to be able to be fulfilled in your life, be fulfilled in your family. Um, sometimes you have to see that with faith because sometimes you, you know, you're in the midst of, of watching it come about but, and people don't always tell you what's going on in their life. So you just have to trust that the Lord's working in your family and working in your friends. But we're going to be finishing up tonight with this thing called the promise fulfilled. And so obviously we're talking about Jesus coming. So I'm not sure if you like Christmas lights or not, but I'm, I'm a fan of Christmas lights except when I have to put them up. Um, <laughs> uh, thankfully, Karen, Karen hasn't made me put them up on the house yet, which is great in the house that we've been in, but we put Christmas lights up around the tree. Uh, we have the fake tree now, and uh, Karen promised this time, so we're talking about promises. Karen's promise this year was we're going to put up a fake tree. It's beautiful, by the way. It's a beautiful fake tree. It does the colored lights, and it does the white lights, so it does everything that you need it to do, and she promises that when we're finished, we're going to wrap that sucker in cellophane and just stick it in a closet. <laughs> the promise is when it comes out next year, it'll be just like it was this year. I don't know. We'll see. I'll let you know. But I don't know about you, like I said, but Christmas lights drive me crazy, um, especially when they get tangled. Anybody have Christmas lights get tangled? <laughs> so it's like then you find out whether you're really saved or not, don't you? It's when you find out, like when the real stuff starts coming out of your heart. And so, so lights are great. I love them. But like I said, I just don't like putting those things up, so thankfully I haven't had to do that. But Karen loves lights, so at least for a little while, we're, we're definitely going to have lights around our house. But I was looking into that, and the, the, the lights on Christmas trees are fairly new, not to you young people. It feels like it's your whole life, because it, it has been. But, I mean, they didn't start right away, right? Thomas Edison didn't invent the light bulb to the 1800s, late 1800s. And it turns out that uh, according to the National Library of Congress, the first lighted Christmas tree lights he put on his, uh, his uh, uh, I think it was called Menlo Park. You can see the interior of it there. And then the outside of it, there was a train that went by not too far away from it. He put lights around the entire uh, outside of, of his laboratory there at Menlo Park. So it was the first lights. That was in 1880, I believe it was. And then in 1923... The first national Christmas tree was put on display. You see a picture of that up there. It's, it's, that was before they trimmed it, I hope. But, <laughs> but they actually had 3,000 lights on that Christmas tree, right? 3,000 lights. Now, I don't know about you, but lights back in the old days, if one of them went out, they all went out. Remember that? <laughs> you guys, you young people don't know the struggle, but that was our struggle, right? So here's the thing. When, when they started doing the Christmas lights this year, all of the Christmas lights this year on the tree are all of uh, the newfangled, what, what do you call those? 
Thank you. See, the LED lights. And so, so on the old ones, there, there was 3,000. On this one, there was over 600,000, well, actually 63,750 individual LED bulbs, and then 400-plus ornaments on that tree. And I don't know about you, but I don't know if I, w- I, I would not want to pay their light bill. Wait, we do pay their light bill. Never mind. So that, <laughs> that's for another series some other time. <laughs> but Christmas lights, the reason behind Christmas lights, most of the time we just don't think about it anymore because it becomes so much a part of our culture. But Christmas lights actually come from a prophecy in Isaiah chapter 9. You may not know this, but it stems from, they're symbolic of light in a dark place. And this is where that scripture comes from. This is Isaiah 9 2. It says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. So that's what Christmas lights, whether it's on the outside of your house, whether it's on the Christmas tree, that's the whole point of those lights is that it would take a dark place and it would light it up, right? And so um, what was really interesting about that, this particular scripture is back in those days, this is before any of this happened, we actually have a picture of it before uh, electric lights came along, they used to light their Christmas trees with candles, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, can you imagine a fir tree and an ignition source? I mean, what are the, what are the chances that's going to go wrong, right? So you can imagine tons of houses. I mean, they literally had fires all the time when this happened. But it, it all came back. The, 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 you know, the whole point behind the Christmas tree lights was it was a picture of Jesus coming to the earth and a light coming in the darkness. So Matthew had this prophecy. You find this prophecy he had in Matthew 4 that he pulls from, from the same uh, prophecy in, in, in uh, uh, Isaiah and different places. And it says, this is, is just talking about what was coming. It says, the land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali. Those were two tribes in the tribes of Israel when they were part of uh, Joshua's con- conquest. It says, by the way of the sea, that was an actually roadway, and it says, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light, and on those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And so again, this, the context was, there was a prophecy saying that there's coming a time when these tribes, this region, this area of Israel, that were, that were downtrodden, that were uh, under conquest, that were full of sin and brokenness and death and, and discouragement and every evil thing was part of their land. That was just the reality, the reality that they lived in. It said there's coming a day in this particular area that a light is going to come and shine in the darkness. And so what's interesting is when John the Baptist finishes his ministry, he's thrown in prison. Something about that moment, we don't know exactly why, but something about that moment, Jesus leaves Nazareth and he moves to to that area and he sets up camp at Capernaum where Peter was, where he was from and some of the other disciples. And that was the area that this prophecy talked about. So, so Matthew recognizes, and he's sharing with the people, he's reminding them, hey, what Jesus is doing, what Jesus did when he came to this land, and eventually what he was going to do to everybody everywhere, was he was coming to bring a light where the only thing they've known was darkness. And so John talks about it in his gospel as well. You see it in John chapter 1, it says, the true light, talking about Jesus, that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. So he's saying there's lots of different kinds of light. But there's a true light. Everything else, everything about light is symbolic of something else. Now think about this. This is weird to think of it this way. But light is a shadow of something else. 
<laughs> according to the New Testament. It's a symbol of something else. Like one of the things that's really interesting, I, I like evolution, studying evolution and studying science. And, you know, the argument is always, you know, did God create us or, or did, you know, did, are we just random chance? You know, you come from, maybe you came from a monkey. I didn't, but I, you may have. I don't know. But I, I, I study that because I'm interested in it. And there's lots of, you know, lots of stuff you can go after about, you know, did, was it seven days? Was it, was it seven real days or literal days? And, and I, I'm not going to talk to you about what that means. <laughs> That's for another time, and we can talk about it over coffee. But here's what, here's what the point is. There's a moment in the book of Genesis that says everything was dark. Remember that? And then God did something. He, with his word, he said, let light be. So, so darkness was the only thing that was known. So in terms of evolution, what's fascinating about the eye, that was the one thing that Darwin could not come to grips with, is there is no way, no possible way for your eyeball to form in, without the, the symbiosis of light. In other words, light has to, has to exist for the eyeball to work, and the eyeball doesn't, it doesn't even matter if it works if there's no light. Right, and so when you study this, it just it, it comes to people come to an impasse, and they're like, they they couldn't the the eyeball could not exist all at one time. It had to form pieces parts. That's the whole concept, but behind random mutations in, in evolution. And just the truth of it is, we all know it to be true that there's no way that this could have happened, right? But it's but it's better than the alternative, which is believing that maybe God doesn't exist and we have to make some other kind of excuse as to how we exist and why we exist, which is why that ultimately is there. But this is what the Bible says. The Bible says the true light, all other lights are, are symbolism of this, but there's true light and it does something. It gives light to everyone. He said that light is coming into the world. Now think about that. When you hear this, well, you can see you recognize the light of the sun. The Bible said that was created in Genesis. The reflection of the sun off the moon, even in the nighttime, we have the stars. There's light, but there's something in that light that's not the same as what, what Matthew was talking about, what John was talking about. It goes on. It says, he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Now think about that for a second. That is a, a picture of people being in the dark. He was right, the, the king of glory was right in front of them, and they could not see him at all. It goes on, it says, um, the world didn't recognize him. He came to that which was his own. He came to his own, to his own people, to the ones that the prophecies had been there the whole time. And he even said that, he talked to him. he said, You've, the, the word of God has been talking about me, the Bible, the Old Testament has been talking about me the whole time, and you have missed me. You totally missed who I am. He talked about that in different places. He said he came to that which was, own, was his own, but his own didn't receive him. They did not see him accurately for who he was. So the light began, the story of the Bible, the light began to go out in the book of Genesis. Genesis 2 and 3, the story of humanity being formed. The Bible says he makes mankind, and then he puts his life into them. He breathes his breath into them, and he becomes a living creature, the Bible says, and then some, somewhere along, he makes a decision to disobey one thing that God told him not to do. There's one thing you can't do. <laughs> so he, we think, you know what? I could probably do it. I, if I only had one you know, commandment, I could probably do that, right? Trust me, you could not. You'd be just like Adam, and you would screw it up, right? <laughs> That's the promise, because all of us, at some point, we were born, the Bible says, in sin. We were already in sin because of Adam. That was our generational gift, for lack of a better term. And it says, but another man came, right? And a second Adam came, and in being born into him gives us life. Where Adam's 
birth, my birth into Adam brought death. And at some point, I proved it by sinning my own sin. When Jesus came, the Bible says the second Adam, when he came to bring life, he breathes life into me, but I have to be born again a second time. And it's what the Bible says, and he's talking about this in John chapter 3 with Nicodemus, who's wise and older, and he's, he's supposed to know the things of the Bible, and, and he says, I don't understand what you mean about being born again. Can a, mother, can a, a man be, go back into his mother's womb? That's impossible. And he said to him, it's so funny, he said, you are so wise. You're, you're, you know, you're the aged in Israel, and you can't see this truth, that it's a spiritual birth, not a natural birth. And that's what Jesus is talking about. We can have life here and what we call life, but it's not spiritual life. It's, it's, it's a life that's not connected to the source of life. It's a symbolic life, for lack of a better term. So we were, we were called from this source of life. When Adam sinned, he, he stepped away from the source of light and the source of life. And over the generations, all of the disobedience, all of the sin, including yours, all the way up to now, was just a one step, two step, three step deeper into darkness until at some point it's almost impossible to see outside of the darkness around you. And what you begin to do is you begin to think that the darkness is light. And another prophet talked about that. He says there's going to come a day when wrong is going, to be, is going to be pushed as right and right is going to be pushed as wrong. And I don't know if you're paying attention, <laughs> but we're seeing that literally every single day. We're looking at go, how can you, I mean, reality is, is suspect nowadays, Right? Well, and, and God was talking about this. He, said, he says, there's, you call it light, but it's not light, right? There's, there's a big light that's missing. Um, the prophet Isaiah talked about what would happen, though, when something began to change. There was a promise. All these prophecies were promises that something was coming to restore everything was broken. Isaiah 53 was talking about, we know this now, was talking about the Messiah, the Jews had this scripture. They knew this scripture. They knew it was talking about the Messiah. But in their head, because of the situation they were in, in Rome at the time, they were un under conquest by Rome. They were subject to them. They were beat down. They couldn't rule their own life, for lack of a better term. And, and yet they somehow missed the scripture because they were looking for a Savior in a way that God was not providing a Savior. So listen, this is the Savior that was coming, and they totally missed him. So even though they could see, they couldn't see. It says, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him at a tender plant. It's talking about the Messiah. And as a root out of dry ground, he has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. So it's the same concept when we see Jesus. Even the people, I, I talk to people about Jesus all the time. And I'm like, how do you not see what I see? <laughs> right? But, but, I mean, this is true of all kinds of things. Whatever your passion is, if your passion is football and you talk to somebody about football, you're talking to them all this passion and they sense your passion, but they could care less about football, right? <laughs> so the, the thing is, these, these guys are seeing without seeing. The light has come. And the Bible says in John, the light is coming into the world that's going to show everybody everything. He goes on, he says, he's despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. This is not something they wanted their Messiah to be. It says, and when we hid, as it were, our faces from him. Again, putting our, our eyes down. So, so a symbol of darkness again. It says, um, he was despised. We didn't esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. That's a powerful, powerful thing. It goes on. It says, yet we esteemed him stricken. He was bruised for our iniquities. 
The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. It's fascinating that in that scripture was, is literally thousands of years before our time. And he was saying in the past tense that what Jesus was going to come do on the cross was going to bring healing. Not just symbolic healing, although that's true. Not just salvation, which is spiritual healing. That's true too. But also physical healing. Why do we know that? Because that's what Jesus did. Part of him demonstrating who he was and that he was this Messiah is that he would heal people who were sick. And then when his stripes, the stripes that he took on his back, and then he laid his life down on the cross, that was, that was another way of putting that power into our hands as believers to lay hands on the sick, the Bible says, and they would be healed. But it's not my power. I, not, there is nothing I can do. You see the disciples say this over and over again. You think it's my power that caused this man to get up from his sickness. It's not. It is in the name of someone else that they came. So listen to this. It says, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. His stripes we are healed. And all we like sheep have gone astray. Now, Israel understood this. They, they were an agrarian society. They understood sheep and shepherds and farming. And Jesus used that to tell stories all the time to relate to them. And he said, we are all like sheep have gone astray. Why do sheep need a shepherd? Anybody want to guess? <laughs> Because they walk off all the time. Sheep are so dumb. It's, it's almost unbelievable how, how dumb sheep can be. They're, they're cute, but, but literally, I, I've seen videos of them where they're crossing a bridge, and one of them jumped over the bridge, and you know, it wasn't to their death. It was water down there. But one of them jumped over the bridge, and literally all of the sheep went right after him, one by one, over the bridge into the water. You know what that reminds me? That reminds me of what my mom said. If your friend jumps off a cliff... Are you going to do it too? And I said no, but I, the truth is I was totally going to do it. Just like, because all of us, the Bible says, all of us like sheep have gone astray. And Jesus tells the story about the lost sheep that he will leave the 99, a shepherd will leave the 99 and go after a lost sheep. Why? Because that sheep ends up in darkness. It ends up alone. It, it ends up lonely. It ends up potentially injured. It ends up freezing to death because there's something about sheep. They were never meant to be alone. And they were never meant to be without a shepherd. So he would bring them in and he would create a fire and that fire created safety. That was the shepherd's way, right? And Jesus, in the same way, he says, I'll come and get you and I'll bring you back to myself. And I'm going to be the light. I'm going to be the shepherd. I'm going to be the bread. He, he tells these, these, what we call parables, and we think we, where it says Jesus will show us the way. That's not what he said. He said, I am the way. Not I will tell you a way. Not I'll give you a bunch of rules and regulations that will help you, be, you know, walk in the way. That's what religion does, and it doesn't work. We need someone to be the way for us because we can't do it without him. It finishes out. It says, we have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So this is a beautiful passage, this story, that all of us have wandered into the darkness. And the penalty that we should pay for being in the darkness, the Bible says the shepherd who comes and gets us, the shepherd who brings the light, who is the light, the one who isn't lost at all, suffers the penalty for being lost, for being in the dark. He suffers it on our behalf, even though we are the ones who've deserved it. 
we have gone in our own separate way. We've walked away from him in our own way. Just like Adam said, God, I know you got a great plan, but I'm listening to this guy over here who says you're lying to me. And he, he literally, the devil's lie to him has not changed since the beginning of time. Did God really say, is God really good? Is God's way really better than yours? I remember, that, I remember as a five-year-old kid, my, my dad got, my, my Mom and dad got me a little pickup truck, not a pickup truck, a Tonka truck, and I would push it everywhere. I've told this story, and I found this beautiful place to push this Tonka truck, and I was pushing it across. It was flat. There weren't any bumps. I'd push it, and it would fly, and then I would run over and get it and push it, and it would fly, and my mom came out and grabbed me up and beat the living daylights out of me and put me back in the yard with my truck, and I was like, what? Spoil sport? Did you not see? It was the perfect place for a Tonka truck. And my mom's like, did you not see it was the road and a real truck is going to squish you? And I had the same argument about premarital sex when I was a teenager. Didn't know I was going to go there that quick, did you, right? So what did I say? Well, if it's love, it's just, it's love. Love is love. <laughs> right? And you know what I'm doing? It's my own way. And I'm like, you know what? I, I know God wants me to be married first, but you know what? That, that's archaic. That's old. That doesn't matter. I mean, even Christians don't do that anymore, do they? <laughs> right? And what happens is we look at that and go, God, was there potentially a good reason for that? Turns out there was, right? Anybody who's lived it, you know it was. And this is the picture. The picture is, we, like Adam, we said, I don't think that your way is the right way. And this is what we really said. I will provide my own light. I'll walk in my own light. Now, my, I just have a simple question for you. How's that working out for you? For, for the world, how's that working out for us, right? We know the answer to that. Like, there's got to be something that comes. But here's the thing. Isaiah was describing God's promises. He said, there are so, so many promises. We talked about them throughout this last month. Hope and peace and joy and love. Those are the, the Advent messages, right, leading up to Christmas. And Jesus, he doesn't just give all those things. He is all those things. And you can't have those things without having him. You can have a taste of those things because God is good. And the Bible says the rain falls on the just and the unjust alike. That means God's kindness, is his general kindness in nature, in the world, is for you too. And we manage to even screw that up. We say dumb things like, you know what, I, you know, that person fell off, jumped off the building and it killed him. You know, I don't understand why God wasn't there. And God's like, from the time he was a baby, he learned that gravity is true. <laughs> and he decided to go his own separate way and live in his own light. And how did that work out for him? Smush right? That's how that works out. And that's just a small picture of what happens every single day since the time of Adam, deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into darkness. Until 2,000 years ago, a light came. It just showed up. There was a promise that had been promising and promising and promising, and for 400 years there had been no word of the Lord in Israel. But the promises were still true. You ever felt like that? By now, Lord, your promises to me, I've heard you promise to me, and, and it's been almost 400 years. Well, not literally, but you know, it's what it feels like, right? For them, it was literally 400 years. And then in a moment, the Bible says it this way, suddenly, right? An angel appeared, and he declares these, and we talked about that in the last messages. He declares this, in this beautiful message, suddenly. It wasn't suddenly. 
(laughs) It had been promised literally since the foundation of time. And all the promises, the Bible says, in God are yes and amen in Christ. We we do it the same way even as believers. We try to chase the promises of God without the God of the promise. And we wonder why we screw it up. Can I give you a perfect picture of that? Abraham, he's promised, I'm going to give you a son. Do you know how old we are? God's like, it turns out I do, actually. And I'm, I'm not lying. I'm telling you this is going to happen. So time goes by, and we feel like time is the enemy to us because we have a limited amount of it. Time means nothing to God because he lives outside of it. Time lives inside of God. Time is not a factor to God at all. And the more you focus on God, time will stop being a factor to you too. Because the promises are not in the promise. The promises are in him. They're only yes and amen in Jesus. He's not a way. He's not a light. He's the way. He's the life. We got it, right? Every promise is realized in Christ. Hope and joy and love, peace, all the promises that God has given us are realized in a person, and his name was Jesus. John 1.19 or 1.9 talks about this. It says, again, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. The true light was going to give light to everybody was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, he stepped outside of eternity and stepped into time to represent himself to us. That's what he was doing. It's what Hebrews says, that Jesus was the exact representation of God on earth. God was saying, I'm going to show you who I am. The disciples asked Jesus, Lord, will you show us the Father? And he says, have you been with me so long and you don't see him? See the, the, the connection to light constantly because they're looking from light for light from somewhere else. They're looking for something else to light the promises rather than let the promises be lit by the promise. And that's what, who Jesus was. So the next scripture, I didn't read that before, but this is how the light would come into the world. Listen to this. This is John 1.12. Yet to all who did receive him. Listen to what it said before. It says, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. They could not see, but truthfully, they did not want to see. You ever been there? Somebody tells you, somebody, a good friend saying to you, dude, I don't know if you know about this relationship you're in, but it is not healthy. And you're like, oh, say can I, right? <laughs> this job's bad for you. What, I mean, just pick something. Someone in the kindness of their heart pushes past the weirdness of I need to challenge a, a person that I love, right? Some of you guys, I don't know about your personality, but I have the personality that if I see, like, you know, beards are popular nowadays, right? It's manly. So, but sometimes people carry things, you know, extra in their beard, if you know what I'm saying, right? Like they had breakfast, and they still have breakfast. So, it, if, and I see this at the coffee house sometimes, and, I, and I, if I walk by them, my heart is, oh, right? Thank you, Lord, that I don't have a big beard. I can't grow one, but, I, you know, I've got a goatee, and nothing gets stuck in a goatee, right? But, but I'm like, oh, Lord, thank you that I'm not a, a beard, a person like him. No, I don't do that. But, but you know what I don't want to do? I don't want to tell him. Why? Because it's awkward. I don't want to shine the light on the piece of egg that's glaringly obvious to everybody but him. Don't you lie. You guys don't do it either. You go, oh, that's so sad for him. And then you go sit down and have your coffee, right? 
But if you were a, if you were kind, you'd go. You would just lean. You wouldn't embarrass him in front of the whole coffee house. Go look at the bearded guy with the egg. Hey, you wouldn't do that. You'd go, hey man, um, don't know if you see this, but he's like, what? You like my beard, dude? It's not that at all. <laughs> I'm not into you. I'm just saying, right? Why? Because, because that's a kindness. Shining light is a kindness. Now, don't be the person that goes around pointing out everybody's problems and never admitting that you have any. Right? That's not letting the light shine. That's hiding in the dark while you point the flashlight at everybody who comes by. Not helpful. But there's something amazing about, and it's challenging, to tell somebody the truth about something. Why? Because you love them. And Jesus comes to do that. He says, yet to all who would receive the light, who, who would be honest about what is true, he says to all who did receive them, listen to what he said would happen. To those people, very specific, who would receive him, not on their own terms, but his, he said, to those who believed in his name. There's a big deal about his name. My wife prayed, this, she was opening in, his na- in Jesus' name. We sang, we just sing the name or say the name of Jesus. That was a big thing that the Lord was going to, it's almost like he knew like what I was going to preach. <laughs> right? Why? Because he's saying, listen to what it says. It says, to all who receive him, to those who believed in his name, that his name is power. It's not just an idea or a thought or another religion. Because Jesus made it very, very clear He was not just another prophet or a teacher or anything else. He said, literally, nobody comes to the Father except through me. I did not make Jesus exclusive. Jesus made Jesus exclusive. But that just means, well, what about all those other world religions? You know, millions of people can't be wrong. (laughs) Come on, right? All of us have lived long enough to know that's not true. So what is this talking about? Listen to what it says. To those who believe in his name, this is what he did. He gave them the right, right? Righteousness, a gift of righteousness is the right to something. This is what he says. He gave them the right to become children of God. They were lost. They they were like the prodigal son who'd gone off and spent all of his money. They were lost. And the Bible says to those who received him for who he was, let the light shine in their life. And and listen, it's hard when we let the truth shine because what the truth does, part of the truth is the law. 630-something commandments says thou shalt not and thou shalt, right? This is what perfection looks like. Let's just use the 10. Don't murder anybody. Don't covet somebody else's wife. Stop taking things that don't belong to you and and telling everybody that the company owes it to you, right? It's still theft. Don't do that. So how are you doing? Well, then Jesus comes along and says, in case you misunderstood it, this is what that means. He said, if you hate someone in your heart, you haven't murdered them yet, but you're on your way there. So that's the same thing. If you look at a woman and lust after, it's the same thing as committing adultery with that person. Well, now how are you doing? And I know the answer, because it's the answer for all of us. None of this, none of us have come up to that standard because the standard is perfection, because the standard is God. But in God's grace and in his kindness, he came, lived a perfect life, lived all of the law, experienced 100% of all the temptations that you and I have felt and yet never sinned, and then still paid the price for had he sinned them all. He paid for the price of all of your sin, and that's a lot. 
<laughs> all of mine, and that's even more. And then all of humanity that's alive today, all of humanity since the, all the way back in time to the beginning with Adam and all the way to the future to the last person who's born on this earth, Jesus took all of that sin upon himself on the cross, right? Karen said he's not a baby anymore in the story. Now he's fulfilling all the promises and he pays this price and he becomes the light that comes into the world. And here's the thing, it becomes a gift to all of us. And we celebrate that at Christmas. Again, it gets caught up in the culture and gift giving, all that stuff, it turns into a competition, you know? Or we have so much stuff, what do you get for the person who has everything? It's like, well, you take him back down where he likes things again and then you buy him, you know, a toy, whatever. But the whole point is, we've gotten to the place we don't even understand gift giving. But how, just because you are given a gift doesn't mean you've received it. There's a friend of mine who, this couple of Christmases, his, his wife was looking in the closet where she kept all the Christmas presents, and she found two extra Christmas presents, and she, she brought them out, <laughs> and the husband's like, and they were mine, and, and they'd been mine the whole year, because I was, she did not understand why I was angry. <laughs> well, think about it. He had been given a gift that he could not receive for an entire year, but we have been given a gift that we can, we can literally have right in a second. We can take all of the gift into us if we want to. So John 1, 12, yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. The problem was we were in darkness, a darkness of our own accord. And the reason why is we thought we could do, could do better. We think I can have a better relationship. I can, do, I can do life better. I can go after success and make money. God, you don't understand. I, this is the right way to do it. The world has an idea of it. And we all know somewhere inside of us, we know that we're chasing after something like, you know, like trying to grab water from the ocean. Second we grab it, we, it, it, it slips right through our fingers. Happiness is that way. In relationship, contentment, joy, all of those things outside of him, nothing is going to satisfy. So let me finish with this. This is Hebrews. This is a, a, the, the author of Hebrews quoting the prophet Jeremiah. He says, but God found fault with the people and said, this is new covenant talking about the old covenant promise that Jesus fulfilled. God found fault with the people. This was because he gave them the law and it showed them they couldn't do it, right? He says, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt. We know this story. Because they did not remain faithful to my covenant. They were trying to do it in their own strength and couldn't. He says, he goes on, he says, This is the covenant I will establish with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. And this is why he said, for I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. So here's how light works. You turn the light on. <laughs> we do this sometimes at the house. Turn all the lights on because we keep it kind of dark, you know, for the most part. I'm not dark, but, you know, ambient. <laughs> and we'll turn the lights on and you see like dust bunnies running, well, dust rhinos because some are this big. And we're like... I didn't even know that was there, right? Right? And so this is what happened when the light of perfection shines on anything that's not perfect. Guess what, you, guess what you see? You see it all. Which is why we don't want to look. How many men have not gone to the doctor as soon as they should because you were fine? Any men? Yeah, every one of us, right? 
and our wives are going, or our, 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 our mothers, <laughs> you need to get this checked, right? But why don't we want to do it? Because when they shine something, I don't want to know, right? And when, when, when the perfection of Jesus comes, the first thing that it does, he shines a light, and all of my brokenness is clear for everybody to see. Maybe I don't want to expose it. Maybe I don't want to tell anybody what's going on in my life. But to anybody who's ever been there, we've all felt that, that exposure. The light comes, and it shows everything in me that's dark. And that's what the Bible talks about what would happen, that there would be, that, that the people would, would rather have darkness than light because their deeds were evil, and they didn't want to change. So it turns out, you know, my thought was, if I just share the good news, if I just shine the light for people to see, if I tell them how the light has affected me, man, they're going to want to change and they're going to want to come to know Jesus. And it turns out that I was wrong. Not everybody wants that transformation. Not everybody wants to see the light. This is Philippians 2.8, though. This is what Jesus said. Jesus says, all of this is going to get wrapped up at some point. This plan that's been working since the foundation of time, the, a, a Savior would come, a light would come and shine, the brokenness and the darkness would go deeper and deeper and deeper until the light would come and shine again in the earth. Right now, the fact that we have any morality in the world at all is because 12 guys left the Sea of Galilee and went into all the earth to spread the gospel as far and as wide as they could. That's the reason I'm a Christian. It's the reason you're a Christian, because those guys came and shined the light. So here's Philippians. This is what he says It's going to settle it. He says, being found in appearance as a man, this is Jesus, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee would bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every, every tongue acknowledge or confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Here's the truth. This is going to be the hardest thing you ever hear from me. It's also at the same time that has the potential to rescue you the most, and that's this. He is the Lord. You are not. And one day, you, you, can, you can submit your life. The light's shining, and you can, you can let the light do what it does to show your darkness, to show that you've missed it. The, the standard is I've, it was perfection, and I've failed failed miserably. But God says, I have come not to just shine the light on you, but to give you a light and to be the light inside of you. That's what he promises. You couldn't do it on your own. That's why I showed you so you could see. You can't do it on your own. You need the source of light if you're going to walk in the light. And that's what his promise was. This His promise was you can bow your knee in mercy. You can submit your heart and your life in mercy, in his kindness, in his grace, and his goodness. Or you can bow your knee and confess with your tongue in judgment. But hear this. You will bow your knee and you will confess that Jesus is the Lord. One way or the other. Now, that's heavy, <laughs> right? And I feel it and I, I, I struggled. I literally struggled. Lord, I want to preach a fun Christmas message, <laughs> and I tried a little bit of that. But at some point, the, the cry that Jesus has is, will someone just shine the light? They, people have to decide what they're going to do with the light. The Bible says some will believe and be saved, and some will not believe, and they will be condemned. It's not my job to save 
or to condemn. I can't do either. But I can tell of this beautiful Savior. I can tell of what happened to me when the light shined on me and I didn't want anybody to see. I was embarrassed and ashamed because I thought I was the only one in the dark. And it turns out everybody's in the dark. The only ones who are not in the dark are the ones who said, I I receive it, I submit, I humble myself to the one who is the light. And I say, God, you are the one who made heaven and earth. You made me. Psalm 100, uh, verse 3 says, "You you are our God. We are your people. We are the sheep of your pasture. We are not our own. And the New Testament says, you are not your own. You are bought or purchased with a price. Now that's true whether you want to believe it or not. And the thing is, when the light shines in the darkness, one of two things happens. You have to make a decision what you're going to do with that light. Will you push back the light and pretend it's not there? Or will you embrace it? Listen, will you become vulnerable as a person? If you've never accepted Christ, you've never let that light shine into your heart, you have to make a decision about what you're going to do with Jesus. And he is unequivocal in what he asks for. He asks for it all. And the reason why is, is the truth that no matter what you go after, you can grab all of the things that you can in this world, you can try to do it your own way, and it's going to end in grief and despair and brokenness and hurt, not just in you, but everything you touch. And if you've been around for a little while trying to do it in your own strength, you know it's true. But there's something about humbling yourself and saying, Jesus, I cannot do this. And the moment we do this, this is what's so beautiful. It's such a juxtaposition. This is where Jesus talks about, he says, you can fall on the rock. And if you fall on the rock, you will be broken. And by that, it means it is not a fun experience. Emotionally, you're going to be broken. You're going to be vulnerable. You're going to feel exposed. But at the same time, the reason he's breaking you is because we need broken. We're already broken is the truth, and we're just not admitting that it's true. And the moment we receive that and we fall on the rock, and the rock is Jesus, we're broken. And what happens is when we, when we say yes to that, then God comes with all his glory, all of his kindness, all of his grace, all of his love, and all of his light, and he fills us up completely. And there's nothing like it in the whole world or the whole universe or the whole of time. The Bible says, but if you don't fall on the rock and be broken, the rock will fall on you. And I know that's heavy, and I know that's challenging, but this is why I'm doing this. Because if you let this happen, Jesus said it's like this. He said it's, it's like a narrow way. It's like a little gate. He said Every, the world's way is broad. You can go all kinds of different ways. There's all kinds of ways to God. That's what it says. But he says that's not really true. You have to squeeze through, and when you squeeze through this, it will strip you bare of everything that's not him. And you'll have to make a decision. Do I want to lay all that down and pick him up? Or do I want to keep trying to do it in my own strength and see what happens? And I promise you tonight, because I've experienced this, I've been walking with the Lord for 30-something years. And I remember, I remember as a 17-year-old man, the first time, boy, really, first time I saw death, I, I touched the person and I knew that whatever this was, they were no longer in that house. And that, though I'm 17, 10 feet tall and bulletproof, I know that's coming for me, and that's truth. But when I found Jesus, 
20 years old. When I found Jesus, my prayer was not magical. It wasn't incantation. That's not how it works. My prayer was so terrible, I'm embarrassed to even tell you what it was. But I said, Lord, I've tried everything else. I may as well give you a shot. It's a horrible prayer. I'm embarrassed. I wish I'd had a good prayer, but I didn't. But I meant it with everything that was in me because I'd been laid bare. And I said, Lord, I've tried, every, I tried Eastern mysticism. I tried to do right things. I could not, nothing, Lord. But I'm giving you a shot in my life. And Jesus said, that's all I need is that moment. And he came bursting into my heart. And I literally went outside. We were in the Alps. And I went outside and saw the mountains. And the trees were lifting up arms of praise to God. The heavens were, were looking down. It's the first time I realized I was part of the universe that was bigger than the universe. And I'm telling you, I've had challenges, almost died. All kinds of things have happened to me just like have happened to you. But the one thing that has been constant is that light has never gone away. And the hope doesn't come from outside, so the world can't take it away. My peace doesn't come from outside, so the world can't take it away. No circumstance can take the light away from me because the light's not mine. It comes from him. And that is available to you tonight if you've never made Jesus your Savior. And I'm going to pray in just a second. But before I do, if you are a believer tonight, you can receive the light and stay in darkness in areas of your life. Now, you're saved. You're going to heaven. You're heaven ready. The moment you give Jesus your life, it's, it's settled. People are like, well, is that just an excuse to sin? Well, good luck with that. Tell me how that works out for you, <laughs> right? As believers, we can hide behind pillars of truth. We can use excuses. We can justify things. We cannot be honest. We can do all kinds of things to hide from the light. And it's not hiding from others. It's hiding from what God wants to do inside of us. He wants to grow up mature sons and daughters. And that's my challenge to you guys tonight. My challenge is, would you receive as a believer tonight, someone who's had the light, would you say, Lord, I want to open up even further and let the light shine on areas that I have been unwilling to do that? As we go into this new year, would you be willing to say, Lord, will you shine the light in areas? As scared as I am, as, as fearful as I might be on the surface, I know you're good. And you're not going to expose things. And I'm not talking about exposing it to the world. It's not what I mean. I'm saying you being honest about what God's saying in your heart. And get that exposed and say, God, would you show me what I'm missing? There are areas of my life that have not been submitted to the light of God. I've not received him for myself in this arena, whether it's relationships or money or whatever. Whatever your state in life is. Would you say, as I go into this year as a believer, Lord, I'm going to open myself up and let the light shine into me. So not only can you transform me, can I be transformed by the renewing of my mind, but Lord, now I can be an instrument of transformation in the lives of the people because the mission of God is not just to shine the light in you, it's to shine the light through you into other people and share the gospel with people. Tell people they have egg in their beard. <laughs> as uncomfortable as it can be sometimes, when it's all said and done, they will not like it when you say it. But when it's all said and done, they're like, you know what? I didn't, you're actually, we're kind to do that. Thank you. And I just want to challenge you to be on mission. So I'm going to pray. And I'm going to just pray, like I said, if you're here and you're not a believer this, this evening, I want to give you an opp opportunity to just give your life to Jesus. And it's a simple thing. You can pray a prayer that's like the one I pray. Um, like I said, it's not magic. It's not an incantation. It's just seriously meaning it from your heart. It's time. It's time I made this decision and give my life to you, Lord. And so if you would just bow your heads.
and close your eyes, and I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to pray over all of us as a, as a church, as, and then we're going to go into the, uh, and have some, have some food and enjoy some time together. But let me just pray this. And again, if you are lost this evening, lost and undone, not fully submitted to Jesus, I just want you to pray and, and, and just say this, Lord, thank you, for, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for shining a light, Lord, in my heart. Jesus, I receive the truth about who you are and what you've done. Lord, I know I can't do this in my own strength. So I lay my life down and I pick yours up. Jesus, will you teach me as I learn about you and learn from you, will you teach me everything about what life is supposed to be really like? Shine the light in the areas of my life that need the light to be shown so that I can come out of darkness and into the light because I love the light. And Jesus, I just say thank you for saving me. Thank you for paying the price I couldn't pray. In your name I pray. Before we leave, I just want to pray over us as a body, especially us as believers. We've had, some of us have had a rough year. There's been some moments where we've lost. There's loss and there's grief. And the promises of God that have been over us individually, some of us have felt like, are those promises ever going to come true? And I'm telling you, just like Abraham, there's a moment. The time is your enemy. And there's a moment that you have to get past before you see the breakthrough. And it's a moment of submission. And you think, I've done that already. I bet you haven't. Maybe God wants to deal with some stuff. And in those, those moments, right before the breakthrough comes, sometimes the breakthrough's not coming because there's some things in our life that are unsubmitted. Sometimes we don't even know what they are. But would you, as I pray, would you open your heart and let the Lord speak to that so you can grow, so you can walk in the fullness of God because all of his inheritance is available to you. So Jesus, we just come and say, Lord, thank you for the light that you shine. Lord, it's difficult for us sometimes, Lord. We... We know what is right, Lord, and, and, and sometimes we, we can fake it till we make it, Lord, and that's not how you designed it, Lord. You designed us to be honest. You designed us to be vulnerable, Lord. You designed us to be connected one to another. You said confess our sins one to another, Lord. You already know what we've done. You've already paid for all of our sin, Lord, but something about us being honest to one another and being honest in, to ourselves, Lord, it opens the door for you to do a work in us, Lord, that has not yet been completed. And so, Jesus, you finished it on the cross, Lord, and anything that seems unfinished is because somewhere I'm out of alignment. So, Jesus, I come to you right now and say thank you, Lord, for bringing light to every area of my life that's going to bring about your great inheritance, not just in me, Lord, but through me as well. Lord, as we go into this year as a church, would you call us back again to mission, Lord? Would you give us a passion for the lost? A passion, Lord, for those who don't know you, those who are broken. Lord, the pain that we feel is nothing compared to a pain that, that's full of darkness, Lord. There's no hope. There's no peace, Lord, even for a moment. Lord, every night people go to sleep, and they, and they, they, they go to sleep even in terror. They can't sleep, Lord, because of the anxiety and the fear. And Jesus, it's because they don't know you. Give us the courage, Lord, to be on mission for you, Lord, to take this great gospel, this great grace, this great light that you shine in us, Lord, and help us to shine it into others. In your name I pray, amen. I'm going to pray over our, our food back there, and we're going to go back. But Karen was saying before I came up, uh, maybe there's somebody tonight where you just need 
you need prayer. You need somebody to gather around you and just pray for you. So as others are going that way and going back there to grab something to eat, um, we'll have a few leaders up here at the front that would love to pray for you and take some time with you um, before we go back there to eat. So Lord, thank you for this food. Thank you for um, these amazing people, Lord. Thank you for friends, but Lord, more than anything, thank you for our family, our new family in you. And Jesus, we bless this night and say thank you for your favor. In your name we pray, amen. So as others go there, if you need prayer this evening, we'd love for you guys to put some music on. We'd love for you guys to make your way to the front. Be a few leaders here who would love to pray for you.